welcome to an episode of Cine Nation. My name is Brandon Sparks. And I'm Thomas Horton. And here on Cine Nation, we discuss film genres and the tropes and stories within them. And we are concluding our month of courtroom dramas today. It's been a long, a long month of courtroom dramas. Five episodes, Thomas. What all have we discussed this past month regarding the courtroom drama genre? We've talked about how the kind of built-in theatrical nature of a courtroom proceeding makes for makes for good storytelling makes for specifically good film um also makes for good plays which we've seen with a few good men and we will also see today uh i believe with our Mm -hmm. our film we're talking about today kind of a play into a film um it's got you know it's got these big moments with cross-examination which is just dialogue you're writing good you're writing good snappy dialogue between two people it's an argument you have a kind of excuse to write an argument between two people you usually have some sort of closing statement which is going to give you a monologue from your power actors it's just all kind of built in and then you've you with most of these you've got some sort of mystery you get to involve as well it's it's there's really only a few of these films that have successfully not created some sort of mystery Mm -hmm. you know within their um within the courtroom proceedings um I think we we keep citing a, a time to kill as being one where it's just kind of like this happened. Yeah. No, I just have to figure out yeah. how to defend this person. My cousin Vinny um, as well does that too, where it's like yes, that. Yes, yes that's for one, sure. Yeah. The, the the mystery is how are these guys going to get yes. off? Um, and then it's something we talked about, which I think we're going to see today is we, we kind of found this, this sub genre of the courtroom film, which is the defense attorney film. Mm-hmm. And and as we talked about with Anatomy of a Murder, which took kind of a more uh, vague approach to it, we never really got an answer at the end yes. as to whether or not the the client was was guilty. A, a, a major part of the defense attorney movie is the the question itself of whether or not the it's usually our main character is a defense attorney, yeah. and a, and a big question of the film, or at least at the end of the film, is going to be did i do a good thing yeah yeah (laughs) did did i do the right thing yeah um which i'm sure is probably a question that that a lot of real life defense attorneys have had to just kind of put out of mind yeah it's 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 liar liar with jim carrey when he when he when he when he uh wins custody for uh for tilly for oh yeah yeah. and he's just like i am a bad father (laughs) yeah and he's and he like realizes that he took (laughs) but but like that was the thing with that movie it's like that was interesting that was interesting looking at the courtroom drama in a way with liar liar it's like that's one where he he has to show he's a good lawyer essentially he basically wins that case based on being a good lawyer like literally being a good lawyer mm-hmm. and not a liar is is kind of the 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 conceit of that um but yeah i think we've talked about a lot of things you're saying it's, it's interesting you bring up anatomy of murder because i think this movie today when it's the prosecution is closely tied to anatomy of murder with mm-hmm. a lot of the things um but yeah i think in terms of like kind of tropes or character tropes or kind of uh i guess maybe plot tropes in a way where it's like you have with characters you have either the young hotshot attorney in some way if it's Mm -hmm. tom cruise and a few good men um and 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 usually that young hotshot attorney or the young attorney who is uh undervalued in some way or or kind of um not seen as a threat, say like say Vinny and and, and my cousin Vinny, uh, or L Woods, L yeah L Woods, where you, they're kind of, they're, <laughs> they're kind of underestimated in their abilities, 
uh, and kind of the whole idea around the film is to show to have them show that they can rise the occasion and prove they should be in in the in the in the uh, courtroom basically mm-hmm. um or then you have the kind of character trope or archetype of like the aging lawyer who's who's in a new phase of their life if it's jimmy stewart and abby murder who's someone who he left the prosecuting side to go to the defense side or if it's today with charles lawton when it's the prosecution where he is a man who is ill and who has been told to stay away or stay away from big stressful cases and yet he's still feeling the need to do it um you have those kind of character parts i think also too in terms of, of plot tropes in a way you have the idea of the the evidence or the last minute evidence that kind of comes into play mm. late in yep. the film um if it's if it's the 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 as is or anatomy of murder the panties and anatomy of murder to kind of do it or the la- reveal of of the relationship of a specific character something comes in at the last minute that sometimes could be very theatrical as we're saying uh if it's um linda carlini and, and lily blonde basically saying on the stand what she did you don't really see that in real mm-hmm. life um or you had that piece of evidence coming in that kind of is the open and shut the, the kind of the nail in the coffin of the case that's why i find interesting to go with kind of how these movies do it where like i know in a few good men i talked about how they took that piece of evidence out of the movie there was it was in the play but it was not in the movie because reiner felt like if you had that smoking gun piece of evidence uh it takes away from tom cruise's ability as a lawyer and mm-hmm. it's that he wins based off the evidence which is going to be interesting kind of talking about today with that piece of evidence with with the prosecution um i will say this early on with this movie don't usually do it but spoilers i feel like specifically for today's movie <laughs> what's the prosecution uh that will come into play not just in the story but also in how the film was shown or was received at the time of its release yes but yes. yeah we're talking about what's the prosecution which was released in 1957 and it stars Charles Lawton. Well, actually, let's go in, in, in top billing order. It stars Tyrone Power, Marlena Dietrich, mm. Charles Lawton, and Elsa Lanchester. And the movie is about a aging lawyer who has suffered from a, a heart attack, uh, Sir Wilfred Rob- Roberts, played by Charles Lawton. And he takes on the case of a... Of a of a man who is accused of murder, Leonard Vole, and Leonard Vole, played by Tyrone Power, is accused of murdering this older woman that he befriended at some point, and he is he has basically been part of their part of her will uh, and receiving most of her money, which leads people to believe that he killed her in order to get her money. And Leonard Vole is arrested and charged with the murder, and wilford roberts charles lawton decides to take the case against his nurse's uh objections played by uh elsa lanchester who is at that point charles lawton's wife in real life she plays miss plimsoll uh, and the big key part of the movie is tyrone power's wife or leonard's Lerval's wife chris christine vol played marlena dietrich who wants to be a part of the court proceedings to help her husband get off and then some things quickly change as the court as the trial proceeds um so yeah i it's currently streaming on canopy if you haven't seen it uh it was written and direct or directed by billy wilder and with a screenplay by billy wilder and 
Harry Kernitz. I believe also Larry Marcus was a was a uncredited writer on this movie. I don't think he's he's not mm. named in the credits. I don't believe, um, but he is he is credited for some reason on, on the internet. Um, but uh, and and a cinematographer by Russell Harlan, who did a lot of I think noir, uh, black and white films of the era. Uh, to Kill a Mockingbird is no one he also shot too. Um, but yeah, so. What is your history with the prosecution, Thomas? Because we we have discussed this movie at least once before, many years ago, on this show. Did I? Did you, I recommend you pitched this, this, this to Ben? You pitched this to Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he picked yeah. it and loved it. Um, yeah. So I took a a college course in uh, murder mysteries. It was an English class. It wasn't a oh, movie. Wow. It wasn't a film class. It was an English class, and I mean, it charted like because. I believe there was a French there was a French writer who was like who he he was a detective and he was like the first one to put like the idea of like I'm going to write a story and then the yeah. reveal of the murder is going to be the end yeah. and then I and then Edgar Allan Poe was the first person before Arthur Conan Doyle Poe had like a super detective character yeah so and then and then Arthur Conan Doyle and then Agatha Christie and 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 on and on yeah and but every once in a while our professor would recommend a film adaptation of something mm-hmm. and and we read all of like i think that's the most i read outside of like textbooks like we were reading like yeah, yeah. mystery novels in like two week wow. increments um, i'd be terrible in that class, class. <laughs> <laughs> uh it was a great class that's also where so so she recommended this film which like i had seen plenty of agatha christie yeah. you know and 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 then she recommended this one and i was like i've i've never even heard of that one and then i so, you know, I went to back in the day, you had to go to the library with your laptop and they would give you the DVD and you weren't allowed to leave the <laughs> library with the DVD. Wow. So then you had to sit in the library with your headphones and watch the movie. Um, but uh, I remember sitting down and then it like popped up, like directed by Billy Wilder. And I was like, hold up. A second. Wait a minute. I didn't even know. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. And I, I was a fan of Billy Wilder's, of course. Who isn't? Yeah. But um, yeah. And then watched it and was just like, this was this is wild. And I mean, I'm sure we'll, we'll come, we'll talk about it multiple times, but it, it's such a like blend of Agatha Christie and Billy yep. Wilder. It plays out exactly like you would think Billy Wilder directing yep. something written by Agatha Christie would play out. And, um, and so, yeah, it became one. I, I like to recommend to people who like murder mysteries. I like to recommend to people who like Billy Wilder. And then, you know, it kept getting kicked around that there was going to be a, a remake with Fincher that's still, has not uh, come to pass. Yeah, and then yeah, was Affleck. Yeah, Affleck and yeah. yeah. At one point, Affleck and Fincher were supposed to be doing it, and yeah. I think just Affleck was doing it. But um, yeah, who knows? But it's one I like to keep recommending. Same class was the uh, we read and watched Devil in a Blue Dress. So oh, I wow. came away with uh, came away with two good film recommendations from that yeah. from that reading class. That's a movie too. This is a side topic. Devil in a Blue Dress is one that like I've grown to appreciate more and more as times i bought the blu-ray of it the criterion blu-ray recently just came Mm -hmm. out beautiful beautiful restoration of it um really fantastic film like like we Mm -hmm. talked about before off off i think off the podcast but also on the podcast of just like how good denzel is in that movie just like Mm -hmm. prime young denzel in a way and you just wish they would have made like seven more of those those movies with denzel um but yeah but yeah, what's prosecution? Yeah, I came to it. I'm not sure when it was actually. I know it was fairly late. Similar thing where I loved Billy Wilder, and that's what kind of brought me in. I think it was probably I ran it from the video store here, Cinephile Video, 
And yeah, it's one that I feel like gets overshadowed by the rest of Wilder's filmography. Like he has a lot of those movies where like he he made a lot of great films for one, but I think they uh, some of those those ones the ones in the forties and the fifties can get overshadowed by the Sunset Boulevards or the Apartment or some like It Hot, Seven Year Itch, like Double Indemnity. It's the long, long list, but like mm-hmm. movies like this, I think Stalag Seventeen or Five Grave, uh, Five Graves to Cairo. Um, they're all kind of these little underrated gems in his filmography. And this kind of in the, almost in the middle tier where like, it's not fully unheard of, but it's not considered his best, but it's like a perfect blend of all these different things of his, of his, of his style. And that, that's kind of, you know, that's the experience of being a fan of a director who came up in the studio era. It's like, you're not going to see all of them. (laughs) And if you do, there's going to be some you don't like. Yeah. like they're not all going to be. It's not it's not going to be as carefully curated like, yeah. as, as, a, as a modern day auteur. Like, yeah, I try. I, well, this is his later one. But like I tried to like watch Fedora, like his late one with William Holden. And I was like, this feels like it's I want to finish it because like it was I feel like I, I don't know why I didn't finish it. But like it felt like it was a Brian De Palma movie before it was Brian before Brian De Palma <laughs> was a thing. But it was Billy mm-hmm. Wilder and William Holden. It, like it played a little bit like body double in the opening. I was like, oh, this mm-hmm. is weird um i'll 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 venture and watch it i'm sorry if if i uh uh, upset some people who love fedora um but yeah it's (laughs) it's it's one that just like it's you kind of just miss everyone kind of forgets that he made this one uh and it's actually really key in terms of his just like and his prolific career i'll it'll come to play later but like it's a very big year for for wilder here and yeah but i think lawton is fantastic in this movie i think it's just a great cast um and it's one it's one that i tend to recommend a lot too of like oh if you haven't seen this this is a great billy wilder movie if you like billy wilder because it's it's a well i guess it's a, it's a perfect marriage of agatha christie and billy wilder because i remember billy mm-hmm. Wilder. i was listening to one of the 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 interviews about the movie and wilder said that he's like with every 500 people who can write good dialogue there's five people who can plot a plot a story well and he's like an mm-hmm. agatha christie is kind of one of those people is that she can plot a story incredibly well and wilder's great at character and dialogue so he he mixes those two together in really just a perfect perfect way and mm-hmm. and yeah so it's it's a out of the gate, I think it's a, it's an underrated classic within his kind of filmography and also of of the 50s of this kind of it's actually we'll get into this a little bit more, but like it's kind of a changing period of Hollywood at this point um, because the golden age is not officially over. It's, it's kind of it's kind of getting there. New Hollywood hasn't begun yet, but you're seeing we talked about this with anatomy of murder where you had the kind of what that was talking about in terms of content. You're seeing the cracks begin to open and widen to where the studio system is dying, everything's changing, and w- weirdly Wilder's kind of at the the forefront of that as being an independent director. But yeah, we'll get into that mm-hmm. more. Um, but yeah, it's one that I, I... It's also kind of a proto-legal thriller, it feels like. It's mm-hmm. it's 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 kind of a, a early... It's like John Grisham would love to make a movie like this, or write a book or a movie like this. Like, it's very much this early version of... of what you could see from the the more 
action-heavy legal thrillers, I feel like, of, of the 90s. Um, but yeah, so let's dive into the history of what is the prosecution, of how it got to production. So the year was 1957, and as I said, the golden age of Hollywood was slowly coming to an end. And after the monumental Supreme Court case that created massive cracks in that system, independent studios were popping up and major stars both in front of the camera and behind it were becoming masters of their own fate. And also with the rise of television, studios were worried they would soon be put out to pasture due to the fear of moviegoers deciding to stay home and watch television instead of being patrons at the cinema. Mm. Uh, as I always say, you'll begin to, f- I-, I think you'll always find some interesting connections uh, to our society today with movies to back then. So studios began taking more gambles with big budget spectacles and they were having to pay top dollar for talent because so many of them had left the studio system to become independent artists. And President Columbia Pictures' Harry Cohn said around 1957, under today's tax structures, salary to those we are dealing with is less inviting the opportunity for capital gains. We find ourselves, therefore, dealing with corporations rather than individuals. A um, little different because you're actually just dealing with kind of corporations of, I guess, actors, I would say. Um, but one of the biggest independent directors at the time was Billy Wilder. After starting the decade with the 1950 masterpiece Sunset Boulevard, Wilder would have his greatest decade, releasing such films as Ace in the Hole, Stalag 17, Sabrina, The Seven-Year Itch, Some Like It Hot, and cap it off in 1960 with The Apartment. But his most prolific year would come in 1957, when he released a total of three films. Oh my God. The Spirit of St. Louis, Love in the Afternoon, mm-hmm. and then today's movie, Witness the Prosecution. All three of these movies, different in genre. Completely different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Biopic, romantic comedy, legal thriller, murder mystery, I guess you could say. Um, But the main thing that a lot of these movies had in common was movie stars. Wilder attracted young stars like Audrey Hepburn for Love in the Afternoon, and then older stars like Jimmy Stewart for The Spirit of St. Louis. These actors wanted to work with Wilder. And for what is the prosecution, it's an interesting chapter for Wilder, because it seems that everyone involved in front of the camera was looking to prove something. So what is the prosecution was based on an Agatha Christie play, which itself was based on an early earlier short story from Christie. The play would be a hit in London in 1953, and it would then transition to Broadway in 1954, where it also was a big hit with American audiences. So around this time, people began talking about adapting it for the screen. And so producers Edward Small and Arthur Hornblow Jr. Arthur, Arthur Horn, the guy with the with the signature. Yeah, Arthur Horn. Yeah, he yeah yeah he has signature. It was I was odd to see. It's like everyone else is just like plain font, and it's like his actual signature. This is my, this is my movie, movie, baby. Um, they would buy the rights for, to the play for four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which would be around five million dollars in today's money, uh, which is actually a, that's a steep amount, honestly. At this like. That's a good bit for for the rights thing, but it is a popular play. Um, the first thing they did was try to attach a name to the project, and the producers would soon ask Maria Dietrich to play the key role of the wife character, uh, Christine Vole, who actually is the witness for the prosecution. She's the title character, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dietrich was one. Uh, Dietrich was on a little bit of a downward turn in her career, having only starred in one film 
since 1952's Rancho Notorious by Fritz Lang. Really? Um, yeah, she's she'd only done oh, what was the movie? She had done, she was a cameo she was a cameo in Around the World in 80 Days, but that wasn't a starring role. She starred in uh, 56, the the Monte Carlo story, which is actually an Italian movie. So she hadn't starred in an American movie since 1952. So five years. Uh, and Ooh. they offered her the role of Christine Vole, or it was a different name. I think it was Romaine or something in the original play. Um, and seeing this as a possible comeback for her, and also a, a very different role than what she had usually played, she knew she needed a trusted direct or a director she could trust. And she told the producers that she would only do the movie if they could get Billy Wilder to direct it. Now, Wilder had previously directed Dietrich in the 1948 film A Foreign Affair. And while making that film, Wilder began to admire Dietrich more as a person than an actress, specifically saying how how she treated crew members. He said that she was so kind to them. And if she found out that one of them was sick or had a cold, she would make them chicken soup because she loved to cook for people. Um he would, however, say at one point, this is in, uh, in the book with the, the conversation with Billy Crystal with Cameron Crowe, uh, mm-hmm. he says at one point that Dietrich was not truly a great actress, but she could not, uh, but no one could play the part she played. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. he, was, he, he said about Greta Garbo, too. He's like, really? Greta Garbo's not a great actress, but no one can play Garbo's roles. You can't, you can't cast Marlena Dietrich in anything, but you, you know... Or Marlena Dietrich role when it comes across your your desk. Stage fright, stage fright, be the <laughs> prime example. Uh, but yeah, so Wilder was interested in the project because he wanted to tackle a movie that he felt one of his contemporaries would make, and that contemporary was Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, Wilder respected Hitchcock's directing abilities, and he wondered if he could make a film that would have elements of a Hitchcock film. Mm-hmm. And he would agree to helm the project in 1956. This one's this one's right up there with charade for me yes, for the best yes. uh, best Hitchcock knockoffs. Apparently, well, I'll I'll say that for later. But yeah, there is something Hitchcock does make a comment about it. At some point, I'm not sure when this happened, but the producers also talked to or were looking at Vivian Lee for the role of of Christine Vole. And like Dietrich, mm-hmm. uh, Lee was also going through a downward turn in her career, only starring in one film since her Oscar-winning role in 1951's A Streetcar Named Desire. So she hadn't acted that much. She had done like one film in 1955. Um, so I'm not sure if they were looking for like a recognizable name or face in hopes of turning a profit, but they also wanted it to be part of like the film's marketing narrative of like, look at this comeback role for this actress or something. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if that was part of it. <clears throat> and speaking of an actor who needed a career boost at this point, Billy Wilder would cast Charles Lawton in the role of the film's lead counsel, Sir Wilfred Roberts. Uh, Lawton had not acted in a film since 1954, and he was still getting over the failure of his 1955 directorial debut, The Night of the Hunter. Now now considered a masterpiece, Lawton took the Mm -hmm. box office and critical failure of the film personally, vowing never to direct again because of it. Oof. Which is a shame. I feel like we've we've covered a lot of classics that, that bombed. Oh, yeah recently yeah 12 Iron men was that way was the big one um a lot of movies it ha- it's so surprising looking at now like say 50 years later and you're like really no one no one really saw this for what it was and <laughs> like when it came out and, and it's like and so it's sometimes like you think back of like I, i'll have someone say I, I wish i was in theaters like when star wars came out like when it originally happened or when when um lawrence for arabia came out have how just like earth shattering it was 
And there's a lot mm-hmm. of films you set with, but like no one even then thought it was a big deal. Like, and, and you're like, you're, you actually get more appreciation for it. Now that time has gone on the people who actually were there when it came out. And mm-hmm. Nye the Hunter is a prime example of a movie that was not really loved, was called weird when it came out, but was completely ahead of its time. Um, so with Lawton in the, the, the role of the lead lawyer, Wilder would try to beef up the role since there wasn't much with it in terms of the character stuff with the play. When looking back on the film, Wilder stated that Agatha Christie was brilliant because of her ability to plot and structure. However, he said that she wasn't really great with characters or dialogue and saying her writing was flat. I think he compared it to Raymond Chandler saying Raymond Chandler's writing for characters is great, but has terrible plotting. That was that was mm. that was Wilder's thought. Mm-hmm. So Wilder recruited screenwriter Harry Kernitz to help with adapting the play. Uh, Kernitz had been working in Hollywood since the 1930s, writing films for actors like Danny Kaye, Errol Flynn, and William Pl- William Powell, including several sequels to Powell's Thin Man series. And also oh. also found out that producer Arthur Hornblow Jr. was at one time married to Myrna Loy when she was making the Thin Man sequels. So I wonder if that's how he got, he knew of Harry Kernitz basically was because of that. Um, Hmm. Wilder would say they would practically add everything regarding the characters in the movie, specifically with Lawton's character. They gave him the heart problem and the pre in the previous heart attack. They gave him the Hmm. monocle and they add the character of his private nurse, Miss Plimsoll. That's, that's the character. That's the character. Yeah. Basically I was was like, so basically create a whole character from scratch is the thing. For this movie, um, yeah, no, nothing, no, like nothing was in there regarding that character. It, it seems, and so when looking back on writing the script with Wilder, Harry Kernitz would say how terrible it was working with Wilder. Uh, <laughs> Kernitz would describe him as Mister Hyde and Mister Hyde. Um, <laughs> oh man! Yeah, uh, in 1964, when talking about Wilder and his other past Ryan collaborators, he said they have a hunted look shuffle nervously and have been known to break into tears if a door slams anywhere in the same building wilder is a fiend at work uh it should be no surprise they never worked together again after this movie um now the hardest part it seems wilder and team had during pre-production of the film was finding the film's lead role of leonard vol the man accused of murder Wilder would initially offer the role to William Holden, who was actually the number one box office star of 1956, but he was unavailable. He might have been doing the Bridge to the River Kwai because that was also released in 1957. I'm not entirely sure. Um, They would then offer the role of Tyrone Power, and he would decline the role. Uh, Power had been very picky about his roles during the 1950s, wanting to focus more on his theater work. And a lot of the films I think he made were like big spectacles. Like, I mean, he did a lot of the swashbucklers early in the day, earlier in the day. And I think he kind of did that more in the fifties too, and bigger dramas, romantic leads. So this would have been a very different role for him. Um, he would, they would then consider a variety of actors for the lead role, including Kirk Douglas, Jack Lemon, Glenn Ford, Roger Moore, uh, <laughs> and Gene Kelly. Wow. Yeah. Gene Kelly did a lot of early noir films when he first started off. So it's an interesting That would pivot. be an interesting That's one. an interesting pivot. I believe. I believe. Yeah. I think, yeah. We already gave a spoiler warning. We gave a spoiler warning. I believe he was in it. I believe he was innocent. I believe Gene Kelly. But they would go back to power uh, and he would agree to do it because he was offered... by United Artists to star in the movie, 
along with another $300,000 to star in another historical epic or another film, a historical epic by the name of Solomon and Sheba. Um, that will mm-hmm. come back up later. I will say that. <laughs> um, and with the cast in place, a script mostly in place that will also come back later. Uh, production would begin. And that brings us to favorite scenes. So Thomas, what's one of your favorite scenes or favorite things about this movie? Um, well, first off, I'll preface it by saying as a, as an adaptation from a play, it is, it is kind of hard to pick scenes cause it's very, yes. it's very active. Like all of act one is basically in his house. Yeah. And all of act two is like, they're, they're in the courtroom for the most part. Yeah. But, but the, the, the back and forth of the, 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 the way that the exposition is presented to you is so fun yeah. because it's broken up by these, like, he's, he's always got these missions. It's like, first he just wants a cigar <laughs> <laughs> and and he's just like he doesn't even care to listen to the facts of the case. He just needs this like he doesn't want Vol in the room. He just needs a lighter. And Vol's the only one who has a lighter. So okay, Vol's coming in. Okay, I'll keep listening to your case. I'm stuck in here. I have to smoke this cigar because he's not allowed to have one because he just had a heart attack. <laughs> and 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 then you you know you start to see him get a little bit more interest. And then you have the the great where he's going up the he's going up the stairs <laughs> on his on his little trolley thing. And then Christine Vole comes back and he comes back down and he's very intrigued by her because she's Marlena Dietrich. Yeah. She's she's mysterious. She's alluring. And then he goes back upstairs and then you see him just kind of like switch right before he gets back up and, and start back down again. And the nurse is yelling at him. It's um it's a great it's a great yeah. intro to the everything. It's a great <laughs> intro to the case, yeah. but it works so well as an intro to his character that you kind of forget that you're having just all this this case stuff thrown at you yeah that all that section right there it again ha- introduces everyone in the case like again the cigar bit i wrote this feels such like a billy wilder thing where like mm-hmm. he's like do you have a cigar and gets this and Lawton gets a cigar and he, 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 he basically originally was like oh no just just me and him in here and leaves tyron power out in the lobby and then realizes that he doesn't have a match he's like oh let me let me figure this out and then he gets tyron power in there and i love the line where he goes he goes oh very important question my boy do you have a match? <laughs> and he's like, no. And he just goes, I thought you said I'd like him to his, to his lawyer buddy. And he goes, but I have a lighter. I love him. And it's just like, it's such a great kind of banter back and forth in that moment. Mm. And yeah, like it's originally, he's just really kind of like his whole, I guess, personal goal at that point is to get away from his nurse. Like that's kind of the funny thing throughout the movies that he's trying to get more power for himself uh, as the movie goes on. And she's always the obstacle. It's that that's the perfect mm-hmm. kind of back and forth with with Elsa Lan- Lanchester, who was again Lawton's wife at the time, or Lawton's yeah. wife. Um, it just so happens that that taking this case and being involved in this case is the only way he can really get, get away, away from, from her. her. <laughs> but yeah, it's that great moment. Yeah, it's like you have those back and forth. I also love the moment when uh, Tyrone Power. I love his intro because Tyrone Power is just so like. Oh yeah, I might I might be arrested for murder. Like it's so it's so mm-hmm. just like not a big deal to him. He doesn't really think anything of it. Um and he has that it's that great moment when uh when he's outside in the lobby and and and, and Wilder's or I'm sorry, when Lawton's staff is all out there and they're just kind of like, "Oh, like what's going on?" He goes, "Oh yeah, I might uh I might be getting arrested for murder." And the whole staff mm-hmm. just goes like silent. <laughs> like Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, okay. Um <laughs> Yeah, and then and then but yeah, I, and then that leads to that you said the uh, I love the the up and down the staircase 
with Lawton mm-hmm. like he's a child, like a, a child with a new toy, just going up and down it. And like, he just keeps going back and forth in like small like increments mm-hmm. just to have. He's like, I like this. Um, and that's such a great entrance line for Christine. He's He's got that like, you know, go visit the uh, go visit the wife. She'll need this, this and this because she's going to be grieving. And, and he and bring bring some smelling salts because she might pass out. And she says, I never use smelling salts. They make your eyes puffy. Yeah. She, she might be crying and she, I won't, I, I never cry or whatever. It's just a great intro for, for uh, said, great intros for all of them. Like mm-hmm. Lawton coming in and just like, just this curmudgeon in a way, like does it like the blanket on his legs or whatever when he's in the car with the, with his nurse. Um, and yeah, it's that it is that good moment when, when say Dietrich is there and the other lawyer is, he, he's goes in and starts kind of questioning her. And and Lawton goes upstairs and he's starting to like kind of undo his shirt, his 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 suit to go take his afternoon nap for his mm-hmm. rest. And it's that great you can you see the wheels turning with him of like he's he's the the case the the story he's heard is bugging him in some way. And that's yeah. when like he just like again goes back down. <laughs> Lanchester sees him just like his chair going back down there again. To go see what's going on with Dietrich's kid with, with with Christine Vol. And he kind of sits in the back and just wants to see what she says. And you're seeing him, it's an interesting comparison to say Anatomy of Murder, where Stuart does similar things where he's listening to the 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 the, the two characters tell their story over and over again. And he's piecing to what they what those characters are doing, Stuart and Lawton, they're piecing together a case in their mind. Of mm-hmm. what could they do? Like, what could I do if I tackled this? What's the what's the legal kind of way we can approach this? And mm-hmm. difference f- between Stewart. Stewart needed a job because he needed money. This one is more like Lawton's needing, uh, in a way, to feel young again. It feels a lot of the time because he keeps kind of saying at one point later when he's like, "I'm not going like the wild goose chase. I'm not like uh, as young as I once was." He's like, "All right, let's go." Like he's just so kind of wanting to hold on to that that youthfulness he once had by taking this I mean, he's case obviously someone who who is like addicted to mental stimulation yes you know they're, they're the, the entire time they're like just gotta take it easy you don't need any stress and he's like that sounds awful <laughs> like we're gonna get you we're gonna get you these bermuda shorts we're gonna take you down to the to the beach yeah, to cruise and that's that's just not him he, he needs you know, they keep saying, like, you know, you can't take a case of this size. You can't have those, like, big courtroom reveals that'll be a shock to you. Yeah. And that's that is obviously what he lives for. Yeah. And the, and it's it's setting up how he's going to be when I, I basically this is where Wilder comes into play here with this addition of how he adds this character. Take out that entire first half for for Lawton's character and. Mm-hmm then you don't really know as much of what he's going through during that court trial when they're that trial. You don't really like you see like kind of the, the strain it's taking, but you're not realizing how like possibly detrimental it is to his health that he's doing this case. And, and I think, I think for the time Wilder is a good, a good moment of like the, the counting the pills that he has on the, on the, on the table where he's just basically counting them all up and you slowly see the kind of the passage of time when all the pills are gone. Um, but yeah, it's it's really is just like the first half is 
here's the case. Here's what we're trying to figure out. And then the uh, actually in his court and his in his office. And that back half is just purely courtroom. Like mm. that's where all the money went to basically build or all all the production design went to building his office and then building uh the court court or the courtroom basically. Um but yeah, and it it is the performances are really good here. I think they're interesting because like power Tyron Powers play a very different role for his like for his career in this yeah. movie. Yeah, I think he he's someone you, it's weird that you have to put him into context, but like it, a lot of his movies haven't survived in the way they haven't like we're talking probably the biggest star like blockbuster star not not the dramas that have gone on not the oscars that have gone on we're talking i mean i don't know who who you like robert downey jr or something like that you know it's like the guy who was headlining all the blockbuster action i mean is, is it tom is it tom cruise like is is he kind of an early version yeah. of tom cruise in a way yeah you could say that for sure i think i think there's a little bit with Tom Cruise of like the the you know the variety like like he wasn't you know Tyron Power wasn't just doing Zorro but it was mostly swashbucklers so so it, I don't know yeah it's it's and but they they does something like to, like, like night the original Nightmare Alley um, mm-hmm. that doesn't really do that well but like he was fantastic and but was that was a very different role it was a bad guy it was essentially he was a bad guy and so not a bad guy but he was mm-hmm. a flawed and complex individual. And he wasn't Zorro. He wasn't the Black Swan or whatever. He wasn't these these swashbuckling characters. He was kind of playing a role that people didn't know how to take him in. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, he was a massive star. Um, I mean, when you have the ability to say, I don't want to take any more movies, you have a lot of power. <laughs> I will say yeah. that. Um, and yeah, it's, so it's interesting seeing him in this kind of, especially as he as his character goes on, where... At first, you see he's not really that worried. It's no big deal. And then when it gets to the courtroom, he's so emotional. And he always has an outburst because it's like he he plays a man who's pleading for his life. Mm-hmm. Or, quote unquote, innocent man who's pleading for his life. Um, and he does it very well. And... And so it's a, it's a great role for him. I think it's a great role for Marlene, D- Marlene Dietrich because it's kind of different for her too. But it's it's like playing in, almost playing into her persona in some way. Because she's mm-hmm. always, I, Wilder said that she would rather play like a murderess than be in a love scene. Yeah. And that's kind of this here is that she she almost could be a femme fatale as you would, as mm-hmm. a, 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 the way she's kind of portrayed as the, as the trial goes on, where essentially... Uh, she comes in and says that all the the alibi that he gave earlier about her kind of saying she saw him, she was with him the night of the murder at a certain time. She comes in, basically says she wasn't. He came in late. He was bloody. And he said he killed this woman. So she, it basically ruins the whole case, essentially. Um, yeah. And she but she's great. She's great. I mean, the, I said the, the entire the film tree, the, the trio of the movie, the, the top three build people and Elsa Lanchester are really fantastic in all of it. Mm-hmm. Um anyway, another scene that you that you have or you think of. I mean it's it's probably it's it's her taking stand it because you know it's it's Lawton has been kind of fascinated by her 
you know the 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 first time they meet he's he's like almost like flummoxed by her because she won't she won't like come out at that point she's just very she's very like cagey mm-hmm. but he's got that like you know do you love your husband and she's like he thinks i do yeah and like she she just won't really like come out and say what's going on yeah. between the two of them yeah but it's it's not until she takes the stand and starts testifying against him that i mean he she he he, he like breaks yeah it's got that 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 um he's like yelling at her mm-hmm. in the courtroom and just you can tell it just t- takes him completely by surprise and that kind of all of that kind of like cat and mouse like intellectual mm-hmm. you can you can tell that he recognizes her or at least before he recognized her as kind of an intellectual match for him yeah. and then he's he's like shocked and, and and disappointed and betrayed that she's kind of actively working against him and then you add in that second well the second part when the letters come up the big piece of mm. evidence that comes in that's the smoking gun of oh she's basically it, having an affair with someone else and she's planting this information so that she can run away with her new lover um mm-hmm. and i guess We'll talk. Let's talk about here the ending. So, if you've made it this far, I just want you to be aware. We're I'm going to spoil this ending here. Um, but even though they specifically say told don't you not to in in the movie in the movie the very end of the movie it's so weird to see, it was so weird to see that where they're just like and now you've seen the movie do not talk to anyone about the ending of the movie so they can enjoy it at its pure at its pure like hundred um, percent. But I'm going to ruin it if you haven't seen it. Uh, they get this piece of evidence from this mysterious woman who somehow does it say how she gets the evidence i can't remember as she says it, i know but i can't remember what it was i it's it's i mean i it's got something to do i'm sure with with the the man that 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 Max. she's been writing to is is her ex That's so, That's so somehow she's she's got she's them. able to obtain them because of her relation okay. to him so basically this this woman this this cockney woman calls up lawton on the phone and basically says, I have I have your smoking gun, basically. I have these letters proving that she's lying. Um, and this very kind of lower class woman with with a with burns on her face and I think burns on her hands too is what it is. She's very, very like it's it's uh it's it's scars from scars. from knife from the 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 man, the ex the ex when she confronted yeah. him about cheating on her with Christine, yeah. he sliced her yeah. face and up. And she has scar she has scars on her hand too. So she's just she just look, she's been through a lot is what I'm saying. She's mm-hmm. been through a lot and she's basically convincing them that she is this ex of this mysterious Max and she wants to give him this piece of evidence and, and Lawton of course uses that. It's a great moment when in the, in the, in the trial when Lawton has that piece of paper and this is, this is where he, like the twist it's going to all makes like, it's going to like be believable when he has that piece of paper. It's just a regular like piece of white paper. And she's like, well, that, I can't be my letter. Like I, I write on a, 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 or a letterhead with my initials on it. I write this way. He goes, Oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. More like these. And then it's that kind of reveal that he has the letters and she's like, damn you. yeah, damn. <laughs> and just like, she goes insane and upset because it's, she's been found out and you're like, Oh wow. This guy, she's really this like lying kind of uh seductress who mm-hmm. she got him she she got she convinced Tyrone Power to get her out of Germany and then she's now leaving him for this other mysterious man 
and she got something out of him and she cares nothing about him. And then it's when, you, when it's all over and Tyrone Powers found innocent and she's being berated outside the court, the courtroom and she comes in and it's that just slow reveal of what you begin to realize what's going on. Yeah. Walton, Walton's got such a good, you know, when you talk about kind of playing the beats of a scene or the specific art of a scene, arc of a scene, mm-hmm. like when, when she comes back into that courtroom, Walton's like, I'm, I'm done with you. I'm disgusted by your morals. I'm smart. I thought you were as smart as me, but I'm smarter than you. Like you are, you are nothing to me. Yeah. And then she, you know, reveals this whole plan that she's orchestrated and he's like, you know, he's obviously quite taken by her again at the end of the, yeah. the scene. Well, he, cause, and, and the thing is to, to, to add more of that is that he's already said before this case feels too neat. Talking about mm-hmm. the defense attorney of how, how to live with something. This is too, it's too symmetrical. The case is too symmetrical. And they're like, well, it doesn't matter. Like, let's we'll see what the, the jury decides. Because I don't care about what the jury decides. I know what the, basically I know what they're gonna say. I'm trying to figure out what I'm missing because something's mm-hmm. not hitting me right. And yeah. then you have I'm I'm I feel like I'm being very delicate with the reveal. Um, but <laughs> then you have where Marlena Dietrich comes out and basically says she was the woman who gave you the notes, and that Max and everything, it's all a ruse. This is my way of getting my husband out of jail. Yeah. And he actually did kill her. He, or he did kill, he did tell me and I wanted to help him protect him. So I knew I couldn't do, I knew I couldn't. You said, you said to me, it's almost like it's your fault. I did this in a way is what she kind of says. Mm-hmm. It's like, you said to me, a loving wife couldn't get him off. But what about a, betra- a, a massive betrayal that mm-hmm. could get him off? Basically create a sideshow that's so distracting they're not even going to see any of the other evidence no and the the shot that he uses that great reveal of it's like an over the shoulder of lawton and it's showing marlena dietrich like like standing far away and she that's when they, they repeat the shot they had originally with the other woman where she slips and she she slips into her cockney accent um and uh basically shows she's that character it's like Mm -hmm. the the take a look ducky or whatever she says and she Mm -hmm. pulls it back and that's when lawton's like oh shit (laughs) that's what this is he then Mm -hmm. realizes what she he goes that's why it's not working because it's all fake yeah and then and then you know since we're already revealing there's the great line where he's like why would you go through all this you knew that your husband was innocent. And she said, well, that because I knew he was guilty. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> and that, that is the ultimate that's, you know, all of this stuff has been dropped on him, but yeah. like that is the ultimate because as many of these kind of defense attorney movies we've watched where they're kind of like, Oh, I'm conflicted. I don't know. In, in this one, he, between the like one, two combo yeah. of Tyrone power and Christine, he, he is, I don't think he's ever for a second thought, that he did this no in this in yeah this movie. i think he's always thought he's innocent it's like why why yeah. why do this if he's innocent why basically throw yourself under the bus to possibly go to tr- go to jail for perjury um that's what he said he goes like oh i, I won't spend life in per- for perjury he's like if i was trying the case you would like he's so upset <laughs> with her um 
And yeah, and that's the guilty part. And then bam, here comes Tyrone Power, almost co- completely different in how he's mm-hmm. acting. Where now he's carefree and like, I knew she'd get me off. I didn't know how mm-hmm. she was gonna do it, but I knew she was gonna get me off because she's a great actress. Because that's and and she's you know she's like a lovesick puppy, which yes. we've never seen since other than that one little flashback of of when they met. Like we've we had absolutely no reason to think why she's with this man other than an excuse to get out of Germany. Like she's played the part the entire movie. Yeah. And it, it, and even before that, when you first see her, she's not like love stricken when she finds out he's been arrested. She's mm-hmm. very, she's very tough. I guess you could say when they have that reveal of like, I don't use smelling salts that puffs, puffs at my eyes. And then all of a sudden she's literally like this heartbroken woman when you find out that Tyrone Power does have this woman on the side that he's been seeing and that he's just kind of a sleazy dirtbag. Like, it's yeah, basically what he is. And she's been right under our nose the whole time. Every, she's been sitting oh, up yes, in the gallery. Yeah, the woman, uh, she, she's been befriending uh, Miss Plimsoll and they've been talking the case and just having a good time. And she and I think Miss Plimsoll is kind of like, oh, she's just crying because it's a it's a murder case. And and she's upset that they're doing this to this man. And And they say early on that because christine says it is that if all women were on the jury he would get off easily because women love him so you mm-hmm. just think this woman in the stands is like this spectator who's fallen for this attractive man who she would want to be with then you find out oh no she's been he's been living with her been with her the entire time and he was looking at cruises to go off with her with which was the big piece of evidence that someone saw him going into a, a travel agency, even though he had no money. Um, and then, yes, and then you have that moment where everything is broken for for Christine, and then you have that moment where Lawton's used that monocle. And I want to talk mm-hmm. about that because Wilder wanted specifically to have Lawton pin, like basically show her murder him. <laughs> mm-hmm. And... They couldn't do that because of just, you know, production code and everything. Um, and so they had to do it subliminally where, where basically he's just twirling the monocle. And it's a great, it's again, Wilder is great at planting and paying off something. The monocle's, oh, yeah. the monocle's in play earlier when he's shining it on Tyrone Power to see if he's lying. That was his test mm-hmm. of like, I'll shine it. Then he'll, then he'll I gotta see it in his eyes if he's re- how he's reacting. And then, yeah, it come, and then he tries it on her and she calls him for it. She calls him for it. And then it comes back in a third time where the light shining on the knife, the knife that killed the woman uh, that the whole trial is around. And I don't know. I don't know if you caught this, but they they take a line out. Like she's saying before Christine grabs the knife to kill uh, Leonard, she says, let them try me for perjury. I think let me let them try me for this. And then it goes, let them try me. And it cuts off, but her mouth is still mm. moving. She's saying murder. That's why I think she says murder. Let them try me for murder and then stabs him and kills him. And it's just a really like it's a it's a that third act is a a a train moving downhill going too fast to stop if that makes sense like yeah. it's like it's just it's moving forward reveal reveal Re- yeah, reveal everything reveal. is coming in last minute boom 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 and then you have that great thing where now christine is arrested 
for the murder of Leonard with the same knife that he, that he was just got off for. Um, and now he, she, basically Lawton's going to try the case for her. And it's, it's the nurse. It's that, it's that great thing. Elsa Lanchester, when she comes in and she's kind of like, she saw it all go down and she mm-hmm. realized the only man that can only person that can get Christine Vol off for what happened is him. And so now it's like now literally I thought I was like, God, I would love to have seen more movies of like these two together yes. as like he's trying cases with his nerves. Yeah, it's you know, I, I, I really love there's a I think it's a really small, but it's a great moment for her character when he's stabbed and she just jumps in immediately. And then she kind of slowly walks over to Charles Lawton and, and they're saying, oh, get a doctor in yeah. here. And she just kind of to him. It's like there's nothing they can do for him. And it's such a like she's just so into like like trauma nurse mode. And you're like, oh, yeah, she's a nurse. Like you've been watching her like be a babysitter this whole movie. Yes. And you're like, she she's a nurse. Like she knows what she's doing. Yeah. She's just stuck with this this baby of a, of a man that she has to look out for. Quite, do they get married like at, at, like the characters in the movie? Because it feels like no, it's a it's a it's a it's like it's like moonlighting. It's a will they won't they that, that goes on for a while. Because like now at the very end, he's pleased with her is kind of the thing. Yeah, but by the start of the second movie, she's going to realize like, oh shoot, I, this case is going to give him even more stress than the last <laughs> one. I probably shouldn't have agreed to this. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think he would get her off, Christine? Do you think he gets her off? Hmm, it's a know. tough case a, he literally yeah, saw her murder that's a tough one. <laughs> like it, what do you you just have to ple- you have to say that it was do, justified do you have to plead the the case of uh of of what uh ben ben Gazzara doesn't have temporary admit, insanity temporary insanity is what she does is that in that moment of passion she could not she she did not know what right and wrong was um mm-hmm. yeah it's it's just it really is really fantastic uh any more scenes before we move on I don't think I so. I think the ending was like uh, that was that's the most where I broke down an ending I feel like before. <laughs> Cuz it's just it, like said, it's just reveal after reveal after reveal and everyone's firing on all cylinders is the thing mm-hmm. in terms of acting in terms of directing the writing of it everything is just hitting hitting hitting. Yeah, and I I think you know when when we say this this is such a distinctive movie because it is that kind of blend of someone like Christy who didn't write, you know, didn't write movies. We had a lot of adaptations of Christie, but and, and it's the blend of Christie and Wilder. It's like you've got all that, all that twistiness mm-hmm. of Christie that like a lot of film writers can't, can't do, do. Or, or kind of even told not to do. Yeah. Like, you know, that's like if you brought a script, if you brought like this script to somebody today who like didn't know it, they're like, that's way too many twists, <laughs> man. You can't have that many twists. There's too that's many ridiculous. endings. There's too many endings yeah. here. And and so it's like it's it's going past kind of you know filmmaking sensibilities mm-hmm. and then wilder's bringing in like you were saying the planning and payoff the character building all this stuff that that christy doesn't necessarily know how to do and and then you it's just all married together so it comes together in this in this climax so we're not just getting like this information thrown at us like well he did this and he did this we're also getting this arc of charles lawton wrapped up we're getting this arc of the the nurse wrapped up we're getting the relationship between Lawton and and Christine is like just starting. It's it's going it's going to blossom from here yeah. as 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 client and, and defendant. <laughs> it's all there. It's all there. every everyone plays to their strengths basically mm-hmm. in this moment. Leonard, who's this girl? I'm not this girl. I'm his girl. 
Tell her, Len. Leonard, is this the girl who was with you in the travel bureau? The girl you said you hardly knew, didn't even know her name? That's right. That's who I am, and I know all about you. You're not his wife, never have been. You're years older than he is. We've been going together for months, and we're going away on one of those cruises, just like they said in court. Tell her yourself, Len. Yes, Len. Tell me yourself. All right, Diana, come along. You can't, Leonard. Not after what I've done. I won't let you. Don't be silly. I saved your life getting you out of Germany. You saved mine getting me out of this mess, so we're even. It's all over now. Don't, Leonard. Don't leave me. Don't, Leonard, don't! Pull yourself together. They'll have you up here for perjury. Well, don't make it worse. Or they'll try you as an accessory. And you know what that means. All right, so let's move on to Onset Life. So production on the film would begin June 1957. And it seemed it was one of Billy Wilder's easiest shoots of his career. One of Wilder's worries going into production was Charles Lawton. Uh, there have been rumors over the years that Lawton could be moody and hard to work with, but Wilder found out that was not the case, at least for him. I don't know if Night of the Hunter had some effect on him. I'm not entirely sure. But Wilder would later comment that Lawton was fully dedicated to the work of the movie. He would later state that he believed Lawton was the greatest actor he worked with in terms of their technical range. He wow. he, he told Cameron Crowe, Cameron Crowe asked him in the book, like, was there ever a moment in your career where like you got emotional watching someone act? Like, did you ever break into like the kind of shed a tear? Was there something that was just so good? And he was just like Charles Lawton, anything he did. He goes, I didn't, I didn't cry, but I was just so enthralled with the performance. He goes, it's Charles Lawton. And then Edward G. Robinson were the two he named as mm. people that just like hit him emotionally when watching them act. So he loved him. Um, also with Lawton, before taking on the role of a character with a heart condition, Lautner, Lawton worried that he wouldn't be believable as someone who did that. So he staged a heart attack while swimming in his pool to see if his wife, Elsa Lanchester, and one of their house <laughs> guests believed him. They did. Um, apparently, uh, every day after shooting, Lawton would meet up with Wilder to rehearse the next day's scenes. Probably the courtroom stuff a lot of the time. Wilder said mm -hmm. that Lawton would do the scene 20 times. And each time it'd be a different version of it. He was different every time. Right. Once they would decide on the best way to tackle that scene, Lawton would go home and then come to set the next day with a 21st way to do the scene. And Wilder <laughs> said that was always the best version. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in a similar fashion to Jack Nielsen on A Few Good Men, where he showed he stayed on set to, to read lines for people when he was off camera, Lawton showed up one day to set just to read lines off camera to help the actors, mainly the extras, for their reaction shots in the courtroom. Uh, a lot of times when an actor is off camera, they they might not be on set. Someone on the crew, like an assistant director, a script supervisor, is reading the lines. But Wilder said Lawton showed up and read the lines the extras could react to him doing his speeches. Apparently, he even read the lines of the judge, the prosecutor, and even Marlena Dietrich for her stuff as well when she wasn't there for these scenes. Uh, Wilder said that Lawton just loved filmmaking and wanted to help out in any way he could. And when it comes to Lawton's character, he based his mannerisms on, and demeanor off his own lawyer, who is also Dietrich's lawyer, too. So that's where that came from. Mm. Um, speaking of Dietrich, apparently they designed the whole World War II flashback around showing off her famous legs. That was kind of the <laughs> point. 
where they rip. And that's kind of the point of the scene. Yes. Too. Yes. So basically, because she was known her her outfit she's wearing is kind of the trouser, very like masculine type uh, uh, outfit for the time, they would say. She wore that a lot in her earlier films with uh, Joseph von Sternberg. And she had that kind of like trousers and kind of almost like almost suit in a way. And uh, she was wearing that and they basically based it around just ripping the trousers. And because that was what she she was famous for her legs, apparently. Take what you will from that. Um, But (laughs) they they used the the shoot that shoot cost ninety thousand dollars and required one hundred and forty five extras and 38 stuntmen to pull off that sequence just to show her legs and not even like a lot. It's just, just the one leg that's ripped. Her trousers are ripped. That's what it is. <laughs> and then they had to build that whole, whole probably, set. I'm sure hydraulic system to drop that, uh, drop the like set on top yep. of him at the end. Yeah. It's everything. Um, uh, while on set too, uh, Dietrich had a real life crush on Tyrone power who was apparently embarrassed by her advances. She was, I didn't realize she was, uh, 50, 55 when she was making this. Yeah. Wow. She does not look 55. No, especially not 1950s. I honestly 55. thought, I honestly thought Tyrone Power was a little bit older than her at one point. Yeah. And he's like 10 years younger. Um, he was, he was starting to hit that, uh, that, that period around this time when when 40 year old men yeah. in, in the 50s all of a sudden became 60 well, out of nowhere well yeah yeah that'll come back into play a little bit later actually um so at, at this point in her career dietrich was known to use tape lifts to make sure her skin looked tight and youthful um while these were no secret elsa lanchester thought it was great and loved talking about it and openly giving out secrets about dietrich's face uh, uh, um makeup habits or whatever uh she specifically gave talked to lawton a lot about it and lawton would at would urge the makeup man man to let him or makeup person to let him use some of them for his for his self basically he wanted to, the, the tape lifts um according to wilder the majority of the sets were built in-house the studio they were shooting at i think it was it's i've i've heard conflicting reports since it was in england i've also read that it was it was at mgm where I shot it, I'm not entirely sure. One paper oh. back then says it was England. One paper, one thing I said says it was, it was uh, L.A. Um, but they basically they built a complete replica replica of the old Bailey, which is where they did the court scenes in England in London. Uh, which it costs a little over seventy five thousand dollars for that set. It's funny that set was cheaper than the set for the World War II flashback to show off her legs. That's <laughs> That was how important that was, apparently. Um, they also built the train station set as well for the film, uh, where, they, where they meet up with her uh, under mm. uh, uh, in her other identity. And speaking of her other identity, uh, the film actually had a special consultant for Dietrich when she attempted her Cockney accent. Writer and actor Noel Coward was the one who coached her through it, mm. making sure it was authentic as possible. Lawton also helped her out as well. And Orson Welles helped her with the makeup for the role because she would later a year later, she would do touch of evil with, with Welles. Wilder was very secretive on set when it came to the ending of the film. He was so secretive. The cast did not see the last 10 pages of the script until they shot the scenes for it. This was something he previously did on his film stock 17, which was another mystery. He kind of kept everyone in the dark regarding it. Um, filming would then wrap in August of 1957, lasting a little over 40 days, according to Wilder, with almost zero issues. And that moves, moves us into the aftermath of this movie. So 
Once the film was complete, United Artists was then tasked with marketing the film. And part of the film's whole strategy was for audiences not to spoil the film's twist ending, which we have done today. Uh, During Mm -hmm. previews for the film, they had audience members sign cards that said, I solemnly swear I will not reveal the ending of Witness the Prosecution. Um, so early NDAs for test screening audiences, basically. <laughs> um, I think even I think they even had stuff on set when you walked into the uh, studio, basically saying you will not divulge what happens at the end of what is the prosecution. So it was a big <laughs> deal for them. Uh, besides adding a disclaimer at the end of the movie, they also put it in their marketing in the film's trailer. Charles Lawton speaks directly to the camera, saying not to spoil the ending for others. Um, Mm -hmm. the posters had taglines that said, you'll talk about it, but please don't tell the ending. Like they were so big. It's pre psycho in a way, which we'll talk about Mm -hmm. at some point soon. Um, but like a base saying, don't spoil the ending. And it's, it's the first time if it was, I mean, if it wasn't for what's the prosecution, you don't have the spoiler warning for like Avengers Endgame or whatever is what I'm saying. It's all. Yeah. I just, I can't think of anyone who's ever done it. Like as soon as the credits start rolling and they're like, I've never seen that before. We ask you when you leave the theater to not tell your friends what happened here. It's like, I'm, that's insane. Uh, yeah, sometimes you, like, you want to like uh, uh, decompress after watching a movie of that nature and just sit with the credits. It's like, no, it's like, so like loud. Don't say the ending. Don't you say <laughs> shit. Like that's basically what it is. It's like, it does not want you to say anything about, what happens yeah. in, in, at the end of this movie but uh, you know shout out the the people walking out of the screening of of force awakens on opening night right before i walked in you'll i'll always remember you um yeah <laughs> could talk a little bit quieter when you're leaving oh, that, ha- that happened there. to me during endgame where i went out to the bathroom and or no it was it was infinity war it was infinity war where i was walking out to the bathroom and just people like can you believe that that happened i'm like shut the I'm like I was so just like this is a movie theater. I was like, this, there I was are like, screenings yeah, after you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm literally. Oh, it was, it was. Oh man, I was having like literally just like dodge through people to not and like 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 you know it's <laughs> like uh it's like liar liar where Jim Carrey's like la, 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 where he's like trying to walk through things and not hear anything. Mm-hmm. That was that was like me. Bam! Double liar liar reference. Didn't expect that episode. to happen that today, but it did. <laughs> um, the film would be released on December seventeenth. 1957 just in time for award season and witness the prosecution will receive a total of six nominations including best picture best director best actor for lawton and best supporting actress for lanchester it would win none of them um but noticeably absent from the nominations was maria dietrich with many believing she was snubbed uh for her performance wilder believed she had not received a nomination nomination because of the film's marketing which made sure that no one knew about the twist surrounding her character. Uh, Dietrich was so sure she would be nominated that she even redid her filmed introduction for her stage show, mentioning her Oscar nomination for the movie. Oh, no. She was crushed when she didn't receive one. Um, besides the Oscar nominations, when it's the prosecution would become a box office hit and a critical hit when it was released. It would actually spend two weeks at the top of the box office from the end of nineteen or the end of February into March 1958, a few months after its general release. And on top of that, the story's original writer, Agatha Christie, loved the film, stating it was the finest film derived derived from one of her stories. So in the history books, the film would be seen as the last hurrah for the film's leading trio. 
Charles Lott would pass away only acting in three more films after this movie. Uh, Marlena Dietrich would not pass away until 1992, but she would only star in two more films until mostly retiring from the big screen in 1962. The most tragic outcome for the actors was with Tyrone Power, who unexpectedly died a year later from, from a heart attack at the age of 44. He was in the middle of shooting Solomon Sheba, which was the movie that he agreed to do on top of Winston's Prosecution. Mm. Uh, the, it would have to recast his role during production, having Yul Brynner star in the movie instead. That would make Winston's the Prosecution his final role. It's almost a shame seeing that all three of them had short careers after this because today I think it's seen as kind of a career best for a, for all of them. Uh, it mm-hmm. was also the final film for Una O'Connor, who played Miss McKenzie, the maid of the older woman who who's the hearing aid uh, the hearing aid woman. Uh, she passed away in 1959, and O'Connor was actually the only person who performed in both the movie and the original play. So today, 1957 is considered by many as possibly the greatest year of film ever, especially from Ben Mankiewicz over at TCM. He's talked about this previously. (laughs) Some believe that that was due to the rise of independent productions at this point, as we talked about at the Mm -hmm. beginning of the show, with 50% of all films being done by independent studios like United Artists. Films released in 1957 were The Bridge of the River Kwai, Funny Face, Sweet Smell of Success, A Face in the Crowd, and A Fair to Remember, the Seventh Seal, and Wild Strawberries. It also wow. is probably the greatest year ever for courtroom dramas because When It's the Prosecution, Twelve Angry Men, and Paths of Glory were all released in that year. And while When It's the Prosecution might not be as discussed as some of the films from that year, it is still considered one of the best from that year. And I think kind of underrated in terms it's not in it's not in a lot of the categories. Um, it would be named as the sixth greatest courtroom drama according to AFI, I think in like 2007. Um, and I, I think it currently sits in hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes, if you care about that. Um, mm. I don't know how many reviews are on there. But yeah, it, it is still considered kind of a underrated classic within Billy Wilder's filmography. So yeah, so Thomas, what worked about this movie? I think the script works. Like I said, it's it's just a, a a blend of of great mystery and and great characters. I I think very few kind of not even like courtroom dramas. Like very few murder mysteries have come this close to capturing that feel. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the adaptation. I like a lot of the adaptations of of Agatha Christie, but a lot of them I feel like are too faithful. Like love you you love Poirot. he's not a very compelling character <laughs> like you know yeah um, no matter how hard you try it's difficult yeah yeah um more partial to the the earlier adaptation but yeah, yeah. um yeah. you know I, I honestly in, in trying to create an agatha christie movie probably knives out is is the closest someone got to kind of applying both a like logical kind of mystery writers thought to a story while also being able to do real filmmaking character development yeah that's that's the one knives out is the one i would say like that was if that would be if hitchcock did the agatha christie movie i feel like Mm -hmm. in terms of like or this movie but that's the one where like it's it's built more on suspense than mystery with knives out yeah and then then like you were saying about this being considered like career best you've got just a, a handful of great actors all killing it with like all working together really well is the thing like especially when you get kind of egos this big 
especially Dietrich and, and Tyrone Power, and then kind of go like, all right, you're kind of playing like supporting characters in this. Yeah. It in, in this period, I wouldn't put it past him to just be like, well, I'm I'm just doing this part, and that's all I'm doing. But like, they they work together like they're in a Billy Wilder movie, which yeah. I mean is 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 Billy Wilder. And then of course, you've got Walton absolutely working in the lead, and his of course he's got Kim. Well, we talked about this in the the Dirty Dancing episode. Just because just because you have chemistry with someone in real yeah. life does not mean you have it on screen. But <laughs> and, and 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 I don't think it's necess- It's not romantic chemistry no. in this movie, but it it is comedic chemistry. Yeah. And he and his wife just do so well bouncing off of each other. And the and the guy, I'm sorry, I don't know his name, the guy who plays the butler. He's great oh, in yes. that little like yes. trio of people. But you know, we've we've talked about it. If you go back to our apartment episode, Wilder was such an inter- Wilder is such an interesting filmmaker because he completely understood drama and comedy mm-hmm. in a way not a lot of filmmakers do. And 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 that's kind of of all of his if you if you look at, at all of his stuff as a whole i think that's what you emerge with is this guy who's like i can i can hit you with the drama i can hit you with the comedy and i can do it anytime i want and and i think it's it's very well on display here it's maybe not as uh because it's going more for kind of like thrills mm-hmm. than it is kind of emotional drama it doesn't get as much play as something like the apartment mm-hmm. but it, it it's it's all there his his kind of masterful hold of of genres and ability to blend them in a time when when people weren't blending genres as as often yeah it's it's fully on display yeah some people kind of say it's it's a it's a black comedy also film noir also Mm -hmm. a courtroom drama i'll say it's a proto uh legal thriller it's a murder mystery it's a lot that's happening in terms of a genre study in this movie um it's all kind of there yeah it's and he balances it incredibly well we're like, yeah, you you could do the, it's the, <laughs> I love the moment where it's like Lawton is like when he's taking the pills in the courtroom and he has that look up to Elsa Lanchester where it's just like, I'm taking them like the kind mm-hmm. of like, it's just like, there's, there's something mischievous about Lawton in this movie. It's like, there's just something mm-hmm. like he, he does, even when he's not bickering, he still plays it like he's a youthful boy. Again, it's, it's the yeah. it's the it's the riding the 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 lift up the stairs over. It's like mm-hmm. he's had this kind of like mischievous smile, like a like a kid who's found a new toy that his parents don't know about or something. Yeah, he's. I mean, Wilder's great with business, like just business, as, just as much yes. as he is with with planting yes. and payoff, but the the um uh, using the drawer as the ashtray and then like dumping it out the window several times through the scene so good <laughs> she'll never find out about it um even i just his bed was like those those pillows were so huge on that bed <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous um but yeah it's just the way everything kind of adds on top of one another it's it's really it's really kind of fantastic um yeah it is it, 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 the kind of perfect marriage of christy and wilder and even, like no matter what film it is comedy or drama or thriller or whatever there's always that that wilder touch it's like it's like, it's like, a, like a little mm-hmm. cynical kind of jab in a way what it feels like no mm-hmm. matter what movie it is there also there's, there's a little bit of cynicism that lies underneath it and that's the kind yeah. of comes into play here it's like it's the killer gets i mean he gets off and he gets killed but like he gets off the the killer mm-hmm. gets off and is gonna run away and be happy. I think the original story had the killer not being killed, like Tyron Powerster doesn't get killed in oh. Chrissy's original thing back in the day, and then I think she changed it later. Um, 
because she felt like it, it, he need he needed to get some sort of punishment <laughs> for what happened. But yeah, it's it really is really is incredible. So, did anything not work about this movie? I mean, it does it does all kind of have a you know, it has a, it has a little bit of of everything just kind of fall. You know, it's almost yeah. like he said it's too neat. Yeah, but I mean that is that is how it's orchestrated yeah. to be to be neat. Um. Yeah, it, it's it's far from a perfect movie, but I'm having a hard time. Oh uh, yeah, I'll, thinking of like exactly what I would change. I'll ask this, and I'm not saying this is this is bad. What are your thoughts on the on the flashbacks in the movie? I don't I, I don't need them <laughs> at all. I, I I read a couple of reviews for this that are that were like Lawton is so powerful in this movie that we any time he's not on screen we feel it, and it, and it, that's you know, true. It's, it's, it's hard to put it on somebody to be like, you are carrying this movie. But anytime we cut away from him, mm-hmm. it loses some sort of, of of the crackle that it has. Yeah, that's fair. I, which is which is so strange coming from, like you said, the the original version is he's he's kind of he's not just there. kind of a, a mechanic. Yeah. He just kind of drives the story along. Yeah, it's I, I think because here's the thing. It's like the filmmaking of the flashbacks is good. Like I kind of like the little meat cute that he ha- that P- power has with the older with the older woman, mm-hmm. but it's also like is it's almost could be a separate movie, is the yeah. thing. It's a, a separate kind of thing. Like I don't know, uh, yeah, and, and Miss Mrs. French Norma Varden. Yeah, I think it. I think they both they do serve to kind of, I th- they feel like they're kind of in there to help us believe him a little bit more. Yeah, you know, be, because it does show that you know he wasn't he wasn't prowling the hat shops looking for a rich woman and 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 at least in his mind you know he and christine really were in love at the beginning but but i think because and and i can see how when you're writing it you're like all right we probably need these but then i i think when you're actually watching it it's like we're so locked in with lawton like we we're just like i'm here for the ride that this guy wants to take me on that the fact that he believes vol is enough for me you know, in the, in the movie, uh, me, us as, as viewers. Yeah. Um. So I don't think we need like full side of the story where I'm, I'm just taking. Yeah. What what Lawton wants to give me. You wonder if they did that because Tyrone Power was Tyrone Power. Yeah. Like we not, let's we, let him we, be a soldier. We, we gotta, let's yeah, let we got to give him more stuff to do. Let's let him be charming. Yeah. 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 I definitely can see that. Yeah. But yeah, I just I felt like I felt the same way where I was like, we're, we're going to the war stuff. I was like, do we need to know this? Mm-hmm. We need to know that, that this is how I get together. Like, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like exactly what we talked about in Anatomy of a Murder. Preminger, Preminger hated flashbacks, but I feel like any other director would have given you a couple of flashbacks in that in, in that, that film. One. That's that's what I thought too. I was like, I was like, Preminger sh- said like, I'm not going to show you what happened. I'm not going to mm-hmm. show you how all this stuff happened. And Wilder kind of shows you what happens. I also wonder if that's the the worry because you're tackling a play. And you're trying yeah. to open it up. We yep, yeah, exactly. We need to break out of this courtroom. Where are we gonna go? Oh, we can go to war torn torn <laughs> Germany. Like that sounds great. Yeah, that's cinematic. But, but, yeah, and and we talked about that a little bit in our kind of like confined uh, film month. Is like some sometimes it feels that when when you are adapting a play and they're just like, I gotta get out of this room. Yeah. And it, it, it sometimes works against you and it instead highlights the fact that you were stuck in a room when when you don't need that you know, when when you wouldn't have noticed that anyway. Yeah. No, I agree. Um it's the um this wasn't even in our in our one location month, but it's the uh 
It's the opening track scene from Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. It's like, oh, do yeah. I need to see yeah, him break see him his leg? Where he's like running in the running in the uh, running on the on the track. Yeah, you don't really need it. And 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 I think that's also just the era of filmmaking, where mm. like we have to show you this, and yeah. people still do it nowadays. Where we have to show you, and you're like, do we need to see this? How is this building it? But yeah, it just feels like we had to open it up and not just feel so confined to. Because I was thinking that this time I was like, wow, we're just in his office for like forty minutes. It feels like. Outside mm-hmm. the flashbacks, um, yeah, I I don't know. I I I mean, it's like you have kind of the the reveals of like the the here. It's it's interesting kind of seeing in comparison, say like Twelve Angry Men, of how he handles like the hearing aid bit, because it's kind mm. of a similar thing. Where like it's the glasses bit in Twelve Angry Men, where they're like. Oh, like she couldn't have worn like oh she has glasses so she couldn't have seen through the L train through the window to see the boy killing his father if she didn't have her glasses on and this is kind of the same thing like oh well like if you have a hearing aid you can't really hear could she have heard through these thick wooden doors word for word who was saying what and it's it's Hmm. I don't know if it's 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 not handled as well as like Twelve Angry Men does actually I think but it's it's it works but. I don't know. There's something about it that just doesn't hit for me uh, as hard as it could. Um, I think that's, like I said, I, I think some point power might go a little over the top in the court when he's when, during his outburst, but it also makes sense because he's supposed to be fighting for his life. Yeah. So I live with it. Um, yeah. But that's, that's all, that's all I have on doing anything that work. Um, yeah. I think that checks yeah. out. The only film fact I have apparently is that uh, Alfred Hitchcock would be told a lot. They loved his movie when it's the prosecution. So <laughs> I would say that that uh, Wilder succeeded in trying to tackle what a Hitchcock film would be. I think he's I think Wilder also said that they would they would said to Hitchcock and they would say Wilder did a great job with the, the paradigm case or whatever, which mm. is like a Hitchcock film I've never seen. Um but uh yeah so there you go all right awards the beatrice Strait award actor or actress limit scenes that kills it hmm. who are who are our nominees for this great question um i like the judge we've i feel like in in this month we just always have to nominate the judge for, <laughs> for a possibility of, of that yeah. yeah the judge who's played by uh francis compton what's his name uh i like the um i like the prosecutor yeah god it was it was the judge's final film role too dear lord oh no this This is a cursed this is like a cursed movie it seems like gosh um i you mentioned you mentioned the uh his kind of butler his kind of office manager that's Mm -hmm. ian wolf is his name is why i found ian wolf and i I like him he's a chief he's the chief clerk is what it is he wasn't he's a chief clerk um would he count as as Beatrice Strait? Like he's, I think so. He's in there a lot. He's around, but he's he doesn't around, have a lot yeah, of lines. He's around, but now, yeah, he, yeah, and he's the opposite. This dude worked. This guy, this guy worked from ni- nineteen thirty four to uh, nineteen ninety. Sounds to me like he stole a lot of people's life force on that. Apparently, <laughs> on that set, he's an energy vampire. His last movie was Dick Tracy. He was wow. in Dick Tracy. Yeah. How you, you go from being in 
like 1935's Mutiny on the Bounty with Clark Gable and Charles Lawton to being in Dick Tracy. That's <laughs> somewhat, somewhat insane. Um, I like him. I, I I love their interplay when they come into the when they when they're uh, when he comes in for the first time. They're talking about how long he's been there, or whatever. Mm. And then I love that moment when when they comes back and and he's like. Uh, Miss Plimsoll said she'll resign if you don't come up and uh, take a nap or whatever. And he's like, mm-hmm. well, well, take her and, and give her a week's worth of pay or whatever. And he goes, I will resign if you don't go take a nap. And he's like, yeah. well, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, when, when when he comes back and everybody's like, we were so worried about you. And he's like, I wasn't worried about you. I was worried about my job. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's great. I, I picked I've him. Got Ian Wolf, Ian Wolf, who lived to be 95 and mar- married to his wife got married to his wife too f- for 68 years that's insane missed you too you musty old buzzard oh thank you sir i'm not a religious man sir wilfred but when they carted you off in that ambulance i went out and lit a candle why thank you carter actually sir i i was lighting it for myself if anything happened to you what would happen to me after 37 years 37 years has it been all that long? Yes, sir. This is 1952. That was in October 1915. The Shepherd's Bush murder. Uh, the chemist accused of putting cyanide in his uncle's toothpaste. Oh. My first murder trial. I was more frightened than the defendant. First time I rose to make an objection, my wig fell off. Where's my wig? Right here. I've guarded it with my life. All right, Andy Potts X Factor Award supporting actor actresses the most memorable. Elsa Lancaster. I, I think Elsa Lancaster. I think is the one. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's 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 Lancaster. I th- it's just it's just a weird is it Lancaster. It's, but like Lang, it's a weird like. I always think Lancaster. I don't know why. Yeah. But it's it's C- Elsa Lancaster. It's C H E S T E R. I also uh, you know that that she's she's such an interesting one because like I feel like. You know when most people watch this or at least when it came out they're like oh Bride of Frankenstein yeah but like. I was so introduced to her by like the the like live action sixties Disney movies. Uh, uh Black, Blackbeard's on, Ghost. Blackbeard's, Blackbeard's Ghost. Ghost. She was enough? in Mary Poppins. Yep. She was in That Darn Cat, which I was a big fan of. Yep. Um. So so yeah, that that was my kind of intro to her as a kid. I did not realize that I didn't put two and two together. Like I was very I don't I didn't see Bride of Frankenstein. I think until we covered it. But yeah. like you know, I was always familiar with that image of her. And I like it took me years to put that together. I mean, yeah, she. I mean, just a really uh, eclectic career, I guess you could say. Um, mm-hmm. Also did like burlesque stuff when she first started off too back in the day. Um, but yeah, she she was in the Bishop's Wife too with the uh, character. She was in a lot. She was in a lot of Charles Lawton movies. She did the Big Clock with Lawton, Tales of Manhattan, um, a lot of different ones when they were. When they were together, I don't know if they were always in scenes together. I think this is one of the first times they're like they're really playing off one another the entire entire movie. But she, but the the chemistry is just fantastic together, and the banter is wonderful. I think she's someone who it's a good transition transition period because like I think a lot of her family roles later on were like mm-hmm. versions of this in some way, mm-hmm. the comedic comedic foil or comedic side character in a way. Uh, and I think she kind of really nails it 
nails it here. I shall have a very serious talk with Dr. Harrison. It was a mistake to let you come back here. I shall take you directly to a rest home or resort, someplace quiet, far off, like Bermuda. Oh, shut up. You just want to see me in those nasty shorts. Come now, Sir Wilfred. You must not think of it. You must get ready for sleep. Think beautiful thoughts. Now, let's get undressed, put these on tops and bottoms while I make your bed. Now, after your rest, we'll have a nice cup of cocoa, and then perhaps we'll have a walk around the square. You know, I feel sorry for that nice Mr. Vole, and not just because he was arrested, but that wife of his. She must be German. I suppose that's what happens when we let our boys cross the channel. They go crazy. Personally, I think the government should do something about those foreign wives. Like an embargo. How else can we take care of our own surplus? Don't you agree, Sir Wilfred? All right. Hop in. All right. The Gene Hackman MVP award, the person who carries the movie, director, actor, etc. You know, I think this is I think I would give this to Charles Lawton. Like, I as, think I would, too. As much as I love Billy Wilder, this doesn't feel like, you know, like a Billy Wilder. You know, it's not he's there. It's not His touches are there, but it's well, and it's also Agatha Christie. It's like all that coming in. But then it's Lawton who's just like, I'm going to hold this movie together. Well, I think. I think the key is like because the character was like almost not really there in the original, like it was there in the original story, but did, mm. and like you could argue Wilder and, and Harry Kernitz, but I think it's like hearing the story of Lawton rehearsing it 20 times for Wilder every night and then coming back with the 21st version and it was better the next day. That says to me he was very, he was dedicated to the movie and was almost incredibly talented. It was brilliant and talented in what he could do. And without that, that's if you, without that, that's when we'll talk about kind of recasting it later. I was like, who do you put in this role at this mm-hmm. point that would be as good as this role as, as, as Lawton. And I don't, there's an answer to that. I think Lawton really just hammers. It's, it's the, it's like the, the, the outburst of liar, like whatever he does, like it's just the way he'll go quiet and then loud it's it's such a mm-hmm. speci- a chronic and habitual liar. like it's he, the way he builds towards everything the way it's like it's it's like it's he he has a great uh instinct of mm-hmm. how to pace the dialogue that he's saying from wilder and it's just it, it, again it's i think you don't you're seeing him think you're seeing him think constantly if it's when he's contemplating taking the case when he's thinking it's too neat when he's hearing this new piece of evidence or something that he's trying to do. It's that he has that perfect kind of combination of comedy and drama that works so well for Wilder's writing. Mm-hmm. So I would agree. I have Charles Lawton. And subsequently in arranging the marriage, you lied to the authorities. I um, did not tell the truth to the authorities. You lied to them? Yes. And in the ceremony of marriage itself, when you swore to love and to honor and to cherish your husband, that too was a lie. Yes. And when the police questioned you about this wretched man who believed himself married and loved, you told them. I told them what Leonard wanted me to say. You told them that he was at home with you at 25 minutes past nine, and now you say that that was a lie. Yes, a lie. And when you said that he had accidentally cut his wrist, again you lied. Yes. And now today you've told us a new story entirely. The question is, Frau Helm, were you lying then? Are you lying now? Or are you not, in fact, a chronic and habitual liar? All right, final questions. 
if this film was remade today, it's been remade several times, actually, like kind of like BBC versions or whatever. I think Toby Jones was in one of them, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. Um, there was there was one in the 80s. I know that was like a TV uh, version. Um, I think it was a miniseries. Yeah, miniseries in 2016. And Toby Jones played the solicitor. This is more based on Agatha Christie's original story because there's no, the characters are not the same name. Uh, but I think he played kind of the uh, um, uh, Charles Lawton role, Toby Jones. But if you remain this today, who would you mm-hmm. cast? Making this day, we're, we're keeping to this script. Yeah. So is it England? So we're staying in England. I'm staying in England. Okay. Leonard Foles still American. I'm. You know what? I'm. 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 It's great. It's if it ever does happen, it's Affleck. I. I think Affleck would be good for Tyrone Powers' role. It's a, I it's still, a nice I, little. I think it's, it's a, a good. It's a nice little one-two yeah. pairing with Gone Girl. Yeah. Gone Girl. You're like, oh, that guy definitely did it, and then he didn't. Uh, yeah. And then in this one, you're like, maybe this guy didn't do it, and then he did. I think Affleck's not a bad comparison for Tyrone Power too, in some way. Like, I'm not saying yeah. who's better or what, but like in terms of like roles they did at a certain period in their career, and them trying to transition out of it. Like this could yeah. like say say what's the prosecution if you look at Tyron Powers' career could have been Tyron Powers Gone Girl is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. He just didn't have anything afterwards. <laughs> um, so Ben um, Ben Affleck for Tyron Power. Yeah, who do you want? Who do you want next? Uh, go with Christine. Or who all do you have? Do you have like Miss Plumsel, the nurse? Or, I have Miss Plumsel. Okay, I have let's go. Christine, and I have Charles. Okay, Lawson. let's go. With Ms., have, let's go, Miss Plumsel then. Miss Plumsel. So for her and. For the the our main character, Sir was it Sir Wilfred? Sir Is Wilfred, it? yeah. Uh, I was thinking of who's who's some like people with some like British gravitas who also are very good at comedy, and and I landed on Emma Thompson for Miss Plimsoll. Emma Thompson be great, and I want to buff up her role. She'd be in great. my adaptation, and I want to set it up for for sequels. sequels. <laughs> I'll throw in a second nominee just just as a possibility. Olivia Coleman. Oh, absolutely. I think either of them would be great. I think Olivia Coleman's more in line with Lanchester, but mm. Thompson I guess the better thing is is what would be the pairing of who's playing Lawton. We'll 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 yeah. we'll decide that. So And I love I love Olivia Coleman comedy too. Yes, we don't, that's the we thing. don't get it as much now that she's kind of taken off yes. as a dramatic actor, but but her comedy's throw great. it back to the to the fleabag days. Yeah, she's great. Um so we'll we'll decide that last minute. So okay, so Christine. Who do you have for Christine? Okay. I I was think okay so here's the question like do you keep um, uh, like how how uh faithful am I being because German? if we're keeping it like German then it's Diane Kruger that was my right? thought too <laughs> yes yeah Diane Kruger for for that role that's what I was thinking too I, I, I could see a world in which you go French and it's Marion Cotillard but um I like Diane, uh, Diane. I, I like Diane Kruger I think she needs more like like heavy hitter movies I think I think she would mm-hmm. be good. Because she hasn't, I think she'd be great in this. Yeah. yeah, I think she hasn't really been. I mean, she's been in movies. She's working, but in terms of like a movie that really kind of like hits critically and financially, I think she, we haven't seen that in a while from her. Yeah, I think she'd be good. Okay, okay so we got Diane Kruger there. We got um, uh, trying to sign Emma Thompson, Livy Coleman, and we have Ben Affleck for Time and Power. So who do we have for Charles Lawton's role? I, you know, I, I tried, I kicked a couple names around. Toby Jones didn't even come to me, but I, I just kept coming back to Brendan Gleeson. I like could not. Brendan Gleeson's good. Get Brendan Gleeson out of my mind for this role. Um, I like Brendan Gleeson a lot. Another one I thought too is Jim Broadbent. Mm. 
I think it'd be good to go with the Harry Potter connection. Um, <laughs> I I really in my heart he's American, so we couldn't do it. But in terms of like, if I want to see a last hoorah from an actor in this role, it would be Jack Nicholson. But he's not mm. British. Um, <laughs> I feel like if you're looking at older people, Anthony Hopkins gets tossed around. I think he mm. might be almost too old to play yeah. this role. Sadly, I mean, he might be able to do it. It's at- you, you've got to you've got to thread that line between like, yeah, he had a heart attack, but I'm like still rooting for him to get back to work. Like, yeah, if, if you and gave go me work Anthony for Hopkins twenty character, more years. Yeah, yeah, and you're like, oh, he just had a heart attack. I'm gonna be like, dude, just stay in bed. <laughs> I, I like Brendan Gleeson. So Brendan Gleeson, I think Emma Thompson's a good comparison with Brendan Gleeson. Also, yeah, I think they go, do well also together. go with Harry Potter stuff. Um uh so Brendan Gleeson, Emma Thompson, Ben Affleck, Dan Kruger. I actually really love this cast. Mm-hmm. Like I I, I think they're both I think the two of them especially are both people who obviously have acting chops, but both of them I think are hilarious. Yes. When, when they want to be hilarious yeah so i asked this to a friend of mine i gotta tell him who our cast is because he could he could, we could actually make this happen that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> <laughs> um um but i think that's a great I think it's a great cast i think that's a great cast it's like a sneaky great cast if that makes sense like i feel like it's like it's not mm-hmm. like full-on full-blown like these are the biggest stars in the world right now but like character actors comedic actors dramatic actors movie stars i think a solid cast Plus, you know, as as someone who is uh, eternally Team Emma Thompson, uh-huh. I would just love it if this Agatha Christie adaptation made more money at the box office than uh, a certain other person's Agatha Christie adaptations. <laughs> no shade. No shade. No shade. No shade. Uh, no, she was great, and um, she did a movie that came out this year. Uh, good luck to you, Leo Grand. This movie, she's yes, good. Yeah. really, really fun movie. She's fantastic in it. All, contained movie. All takes place in like it's almost like same time next year, uh, more modern in terms of it's like kind of three or four different parts all in like a hotel room or at a hotel. Mm-hmm. It's really it's really great. Just came out on Hulu, so go check it out if you guys yeah. haven't seen it. Um, kind of it's it, it should have gotten a little bit of release like the Ashley, but it was just on Hulu and it's it did it's it was fun. Um, all right, does this film fit with any other genres besides the courtroom drama? Well, we kind of <laughs> said that. Yeah, that's the challenge off. with Billy Wilder. List them off. <laughs> like black comedy, I would say you could argue black comedy if you wanted to. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, legal thriller, early legal thriller. I feel legal thriller, murder, murder mystery, just as much a murder mystery, mystery as it is a, a courtroom film. I agree. Um, I some people kind of throw film noir. I could see that because you have this kind of she's somewhat of a femme fatale or portrayed as a femme fatale. There's betrayal. There's double crossing. There's, there's quote unquote the innocent man the innocent at the middle man, of it all. Yeah, the wrong man or whatever. Uh it's fighting over money, essentially. Very noir. Mm-hmm. Uh like insurance. Essentially, it's like it's will. It's not it's not insurance claims from double indemnity, but it's close to like it's a who's who's <laughs> in the will. So I, I would go into that. It's a lot of different things. A lot of different things. Um, and then how does this film fit within the courtroom drama genre? You know, I'm just I'm glad I'm, I am glad we got a British one in there because I, yeah. I think it's so funny when you watch all our little like country lawyer <laughs> movies and then you hop over here and everyone's in robes and wigs. It's it's wild to yeah. me that they still do that. Um, yeah, I, I think it like like you said, it's an early kind of legal thriller. It's it's definitely one that that is the beginning of them kind of putting this like 
all twists and turns. Yeah. Specifically, yeah, like we said, it's one of the first ones pre Psycho to be like, no spoilers. Yeah. Don't ruin this movie for anyone. Um, and that's part. And that was part of their marketing. That's like, of course, I have to go see this now. Yeah. Yeah. You've never seen a twist like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, 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 it's it's continuing on this kind of like, like we said, the kind of uh, defense attorney specific mm-hmm. movie that has this whole dilemma of whether or not your client is is guilty um well i'll I'll recommend a couple more of those at the end of the episode but but that's a very interesting specific subgenre and and yeah i think it's got it's got some really great you know we've we've talked about you know some of these it's, it's interesting that we we didn't we never really hit on one of the big uh closing argument ones a few good men has has some like statements yeah. but but anatomy of a murder is more of a cross-examination film mm-hmm. this one's more of a cross-examination film um yeah it's, there's no there's no there's no Atticus finch big yeah. i think that's what's always it's like the 10 minute on like one take gregory peck mm-hmm. just going for broke um no and i keep bringing it back to this Matthew one in, in yeah. no means is this is this yeah, is, yeah in no means is is time to kill uh, there's there's some, it hasn't aged super well but yeah. um yeah mcconaughey's like teary-eyed uh, yeah that's a great one right. just if you're not gonna watch the whole movie go watch but, that um all right even like john or uh anthony hopkins and uh, really uh not one to discuss is amistad uh yeah. he has his uh, mcconaughey i think has one in that one too but i think it's hopkins as john quincy adams has a big closing argument for the supreme court in that one um there's a lot it's yeah it's it's that's a big thing we haven't really yeah there weren't a lot of that this month Mm -hmm. um there are big speeches yeah in this one yeah this one this one is one of those that kind of that billy wilder kind of snappy dialogue Mm -hmm. is one of those movies that sees like oh that's what that's what cross-examination is and and you get some fantastic yeah cross-examination moments in this one i love that moment when lawton goes when they call up tyrone power he goes like uh mr literval did you kill your wife or did you kill your did you kill mrs french no that's all my questions <laughs> he's just like and they're just like do you not want to ask more he goes i feel like he's gonna ask everything i'm gonna ask like let's, let's just let him go like huh. let's just do it um yeah so you have that kind of aging lawyer the 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 um lawyer who is who is kind of against some sort of odds or obstacles that's keeping them from doing their job that's very much there like it, are they on it's it aging borrowed time like can will this case actually do harm to them and then you mm-hmm. have the kind of tropes of the, like said, the innocent man or the 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 def- defense attorney type storyline but also the, kind of the big the big pieces of evidence coming in last minute the big admission on a on the on the court stands. You, always, you can always have to have the opposing opposing lawyer always has to say like your honor it is entirely too late in these proceedings <laughs> to introduce new evidence new evidence yes and then it's yeah and then it's i, I love that great little banter when he's just like you would know that uh when you when you when you uh ob- ruled your objection or whatever to uh this this exact thing years ago you were you were it was sustained and he was like well it was actually overturned it was actually overruled yeah. so uh precedence Jokes you up. always gotta have the precedent precedent big thing big key and and the, again so yeah and i'll ask this too like in comp- like what's different about this compared to navi and murder because i didn't, i forgot how close they were i like guess similar setup and similar things but that also again that might just be the genre we're talking about here 
of like how they're examining their clients, how they're kind of seeing if they should take the case. Yeah, I think I think the difference between the two is ultimately the difference be, when you when you say a courtroom drama versus a courtroom thriller. Mm. You know, there there is a in Anatomy of the Murder, there is a you know, there is a man who is dead. There is a woman who was raped. We're, you know, mm-hmm. there there are there is still humor in that in that movie yeah. for sure. But it's still kind of this this reverence to mm-hmm. this is what happened here. And in this one, it, it, it kind of the courtroom thriller the very heart of a of a courtroom thriller is kind of like yeah that woman's dead but like it's 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 more splashy it's yeah. more tabloid it's more like we're gonna have there's a murder we're <laughs> gonna have you on the edge of your seat like you know that the, the, no part of anatomy of the murder is like there was a murder <laughs> it's it's more like hey, there's a there's a man who's dead and people who are sad that that man yeah. is dead but you know was was is this other man guilty of of a murder or mm-hmm. was it a crime of passion or um so yeah i think that's ultimately the difference is kind of the difference in tone yeah no i agree i agree that's fair um all right so final questions for our courtroom drama genre are there any films that we missed that you want to shout out here and kind of give a little tip of the hat to of ones you should go go watch yeah, we uh, we shouted it out a few times throughout the month, but I do I really like Lincoln Lawyer, and when, I, I remember too. when it came yeah. out, like I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Yeah, uh, it's another one of the uh, well, you know, we won't we won't spoil anything, but it's a, it's a defense attorney movie. <laughs> I think it's a really well done uh, modern take on kind of that that sub sub genre. Not a bad double um, feature, honestly, with this movie if you yeah. think about it. Um, yeah. Um, another one I really like that I feel like is a classic of, of this subgenre as well is, um, primal instinct. Um, it's Pri- you know, primal fear. You mean primal fear. Primal fear. Thank you. What is primal instinct? That's something. You think, that's you think movie, basic it? instinct mixed with primal basic fear. Instinct. Uh, but primal fear. Yeah. I love primal early, fear. Early Ed Norton. Uh, first Ed Norton. It's really his first movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also really like sleepers. Sleepers Interesting. Is one yeah, yeah. It's kind of more of a drama. Great than cast. A, than a, like a than like a whodunit. Yeah. Um. You know, because we, if you're, if yeah, if you're looking for one that's more like just kind of courtroom proceedings, um, that's a good one. Yeah. And then and then got to shout out Legal Eagles. <laughs> I, as far as a lawyer movie goes, I like that one. When when we kind of said this was courtroom drama month, I was like, all right, I feel like I can't do Legal Eagles. <laughs> I've never but, seen Legal Eagles. I, I need to watch but, that. Yeah, it's a fun little little 80s comedy. Mm-hmm. Ivan Reitman in, directed in that period yeah. of yeah, in that period of 80s comedy where they were like, we can't just be a comedy. Like we have to be it still has to be like plot driven, you know? Um Yeah, and then Legally Blonde. I love Legally Blonde. Yeah, Le- great. Movie. We almost came close to doing it. I thought about doing that this month. It was it was really close. Um hopefully I can find another way to 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 do Legally Blonde because that was we'll do Harvard movies. It's like this and like it's Gibble Hunting Harvard, yeah, Harvard and Gibble Hunting. Yeah. Okay. So we'll we'll do Legally Blonde. No. Um. Uh. Yeah. So movies I I like to shout out. Um. The Verdict. I love The Verdict with Paul Newman. Um. Another Shane Lamette movie with also uh Jack Warden who's in Twelve Men is also in that. I think Paul Newman is amazing in the verdict. And I think that's kind of where it might be Paul Newman's best acting performance. Like I think he made great, <laughs> I think he made great movies before that he's great mm-hmm. in, but he's fan. 
fantastic in the verdict. I think he's amazing. I, I really like. Oh, you said probably fierce. That was one of mine too. Uh, and Justice for All with the, mm-hmm. with Al, Al Pacino, also Jack Warden is also in that movie too. I think that's a fantastic movie. I think that's a. I'm out of order. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like we, anytime we say, I feel like we're gonna misquote it because it's a lot. It gets misquoted a lot. You're out of order. You're out of order. The whole co- yeah, it's yeah. He's 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 great in that movie. That's a, that's a also very similar in some way to this movie too. Uh, with some of the stuff that happens in that one. Um, another one, that, a more underrated one that I like. It's an interesting kind of uh, conceit is a uh, uh, a soldier story with uh, Denzel Washington's mm. in it. He's not the lead guy. It's Howard Rollins who was also in Ragtime. Uh, around that time, he he didn't do a lot of movies. He he uh he did the in the heat of the night uh uh TV show, I believe. But a soldier story had it's it's a it's about a um a sergeant and like a who's 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 killed at like an army base, and it's all in like in, in like a town in Louisiana, and it's all like all black cast. And so basically, Howard Rollins, who is a lawyer for the military, goes down from Washington D.C. to Louisiana to interview all the people in this man's platoon to see who killed him. And it's all kind of done mm. in flashbacks where he's interviewing each person. You're seeing kind of the, the different perspectives of the same story uh, over and over again. It's really, it's really fascinating. Um, and then I like legal thrillers. I love Lincoln lawyer, the rainmaker. I really like the rainmaker mm. from, if you're looking at the John Grisham stuff, the firm, um, we don't, that, that was the period in the nineties with those legal thrillers, um, and we tell us the anatomy of murder, so it actually kind of goes hand in hand of like shooting on location. That's what I love mm-hmm. about those specific movies, about how it feels like you're in Memphis for the firm, you're in Memphis, for the rainmaker, you're in like Mississippi for a time to kill. It's all very um uh authentic in some way of the of the location. Yeah. Savannah, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Um mm-hmm. but yeah. Would we uh would, would sorry, I just thought of one more. Would we count guilty by suspicion? Does that count? It's like a Senate hearing. Interesting movie. I like I like that one. That's one of those movies I liked when I was younger, and then I got old enough to go on Rotten Tomatoes and realize people didn't like that yeah, movie. It's a fun. It's a nice. I'm say a fun little movie. It's a good little movie. <laughs> it's a fun it's little a McCarthyism fun. movie. <laughs> but no, I, I think there there's some great. Who directed that? But Chapin. Oh, is uh, that Erwin Winkler? Okay, there's some. But yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, De Niro's great in that. Um, there's that. I think that sink is we t- we covered it. I think for something, I only talked about for movies on movies maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, where they uh, there's that great like kind of wonder when De Niro gets back on set for the first time and he's just like mm-hmm. in his element at like directing. It is. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's a courtroom, but it is a good movie. So mm-hmm. take <laughs> what you will from that. Um, and lastly, what you learned this month regarding this genre. You know, it's it's just the patterns that we start yeah. picking up on. That's, yeah. I feel like that's what we what we get every month, and and you know, in, in in some way, I kind of always knew, like, hey, a lot of these movies come from plays, but I'd never thought about just kind of the whole thing of like you've got a, 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 a trial is a play, and it's someone who did mock trial in high school. I probably should have known that, but uh, but to, to kind of put it all together, mm-hmm. like a trial is to realize how cinematic a trial is. It it all kind of came together this month, and. They, are are you more of a of a cross examination movie? Or are you more <laughs> of a closing statement movie? Yeah, 
and and then specifically just kind of discovering discovering the subgenre of defense attorney movies yeah. i think is is really funny uh, i think it, it makes for it makes for an interesting it definitely makes for an interesting movie like because especially you think about the way it's kind of split and evolved into like tv versus so much of of tv legal stuff yeah. is is prosecuting it's like we got to get this guy behind bars yeah and and the most of the movie stuff is 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 defense, defense when yeah. you really when you really look at it yeah there's a lot more a lot more order in law and order than law is, is a lot of time <laughs> um yeah i think i think learning this looking at this time it's like you kind of see not just the patterns but how certain writers and directors tackle those patterns like the example is like say how you handle evidence where we talked about a few good men how there was a piece of evidence in the original play that was like the smoking gun that put mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson's character away or whatever. But Reiner's like, no, 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 no. Let's make let's show like let's show Cruz is a really talented, intelligent lawyer who can weave through the pu- weave through the maze, create the puzzle, complete the puzzle. Um, and you get and based on just pure skill and not by his evidence that comes in where any he's like any direct any lawyer could find the evidence and win the case. Why is mm-hmm. he winning the case here? Um, so you have that, how you handle that. How you handle closing arguments is a, another example of not having it all in anatomy of murder or then having it and say to kill a mockingbird or whatever, a big one. Like just seeing how you can, and this is just filmmaking in general, especially with genres, how you can tackle a genre and just change it enough to where it doesn't just feel like the same murder case or whatever over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. it's like this one is an example or what is prosecution an example of like how you can tackle a murder mystery around a court case and this murder mystery is vastly different than anatomy murder as we talked about how like that's a very ambiguous or, or, or ambiguous ending in a way or vague kind of ending of what happens when this is very clear cut of this happened this happened and then here's a little bit what's going to happen afterwards once this movie's done um yeah. but yeah i think it's 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 i i didn't realize how also, again, well-defined some of the, the character archetypes are if it's the wrong man or innocent man or if it's the old old aging lawyer or the young hotshot lawyer. It's very specific um, mm-hmm. with this genre of some someone being underestimated in some way due to age, experience, loca- uh, uh, demographic in some way, like like where you're from, if it's Vinny or whatever, uh, and my cousin Vinny. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, all these different things. But... I think that is it on the courtroom drama month. We'll do legal thrillers or something one month. I feel like we're going to just go all John Grisham <laughs> all the time. Uh, no, but that's that's this month. Next month, it's going to be October, Thomas. It's one. It's is it your favorite month of the year for movie watching? I feel like. I think so. It's 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 you it's know between it's where that I get December. to branch out the yeah, most. Yeah, that's fair. I'll go. I'll, I'll I'll reveal this. We'll talk about it next month too. I didn't. I hated horror movies when I was a kid. Uh huh. So it's 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 the it's my biggest blind spot now. That's fair. And and so I like, I like as an adult, I like diving into stuff that I didn't do when I was like first getting into film when I was in like middle school. Yeah. Well, I'm ex- same same to me too. We'll discuss that next month because I I was not a big mm-hmm. horror fan until high school and college. But next month we're talking about slasher movies and there's a lot of slasher movies thomas and i feel like we're choosing movies that are a little different for some slasher movies so we're talking about mm-hmm. the start off the month alfred hitchcock psycho then we're going with a very obscure pick <laughs> uh the house that screamed also known as la, la residencia yeah uh if you can find it 
go find it. It's 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 on YouTube. There's a bad there's a bad <laughs> rip on YouTube, but but that's House of Scream. That's the second week of the month. Uh, then we're doing Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, third week of the month, and then we're gonna close off the the month of slasher films with the probably our our like newest movie we ever covered, like the year like the year it's come out. Talking about X from Ty West. That's gonna be the last film of the month. So be prepared, but also just watch a lot of horror movies if you can for mm-hmm. October. The ones that are not that bloody, the ones that are bloody. Choose, go pick and choose what you want to do. You know yourself. Do what you want. Um, but that's it on this episode. If you have any questions for us, feel free to contact us at cinationpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your questions, comments, or kind words. Those are very helpful. We like hearing those. Also, are you, if you're a new listener of the show or a fan of the show and you for some reason you haven't subscribed to us yet, be sure to do so to stay updated on all of our new episodes. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever your podcast. And if you haven't already, be sure to write us a review on your preferred podcast platform. If you are guilty of being a fan of this show, <laughs> then leave your, your statement on your favorite podcasting platform in the form of a review. Yeah, give us your argument of why people should listen to the show. Is, yeah. is we need that. Those are helpful. Sustained. Susta- <laughs> I know that's that's the right context to use that. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, g- give us your thoughts. Like help help spread the word about the show. You guys are what kind of help push the show forward in some way. So we truly appreciate you. And finally, don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Letterboxd. I, I always I'm gonna start mentioning that more. We have a letterbox account. If you if you have your like creating diaries of your movies you're watching or list or whatever, there it's all on our letterbox account. You can see what we're doing uh, with the with all the random lists we make. So feel free to do that. Uh, Thomas, as always, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for listening. We hope you listen to our episode soon. Bye.